Hello, Finn Maniacs listeners, and welcome back to our fourth episode of the Dolphin Strap D series here at the Scouting Combine. We've got a good one for you today. Unfortunately, guys, Brandon could not make it today as he is covering the Marlins game. So we wish Brandon the best of luck covering the Marlins game. Uh, today we're talking about uh, Notre Dame product and now Miami Dolphin Liam Eikenberg. He's a plug-and-play offensive tackle and arguably one of the tackles who is the most ready to play um, his first snap in the regular season. He started 38 straight games during his Notre Dame career. He showed durability and toughness to stay on the field despite battling the typical hits, bangs, and bruises that players have to deal with all the time. His experience out in South Bend allowed Eichenberg to become a savvy blocker who's able to handle double moves effectively, pick up stunts and blitz as well, which the Dolphins' offensive line had a, had a lot of struggles with last season. And he knows how to recover when he gets beat, which is super important. So now, this is basically the fourth episode of the Dolphins Drafty series, and we have a special guest today that can provide us on some insight about Liam Eikenberg. He's a seven-times Pro Bowler, a two-time All-Pro, two-time second-team All-Pro, and part of the 90s All-Decade team and part of the Miami Dolphins honor roll. It's Richmond Webb, everybody. Richmond, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing good. How are you doing today? I'm I'm doing great, man. And I, I got to say, I, I'm a young kid. I, I'm only 21, so I didn't really get to see you, see you play a lot. But I talked to my dad. And he told me, he said, man, this dude was a straight mullet back in the day. This man knew how to play. This man knew how to play. So I got to ask you, in today's game, in today's era, what is lacking from offensive line these days that you and, you know, your teammates played back in the 90s? Well, I think there definitely has been changes. But um, offensive line play, for the most part, is uh, pretty consistent. I, I think the thing that uh, the league tries to focus on now more than anything is uh, trying to limit the amount of contact that you do with your head, um, especially with the concussion protocol and stuff like that. So it's more about player safety. So um, they're still trying to provide the fans with a good experience and then let guys compete, but try to do it in a manner that's more safely to protect the players, not just during their playing career, but, but, you know, life afterwards. And I think that's the biggest thing. So um, they've definitely made some rule changes and stuff like that, but I don't think not so much um, things that typically affect the, the offense defensive line, I'd say, other than, you know, maybe tackling with your head or leading head first with your head. But um, I think, think that's the biggest thing. And I think offenses now compared to when I played were probably more similar to the Dolphins where, you know, we were a team that really threw the football a lot. And that was based on, you know, having Dan Marino as quarterback. And, you know, he was just a, that was his thing. So when you get a guy with that type of talent, you try to surround him with five guys to let him maximize his talent and, you know, his production. And, and when you get someone like that, it just made perfect sense. So, I think the, the league now is throwing the football much more compared to when I first came in. Yeah, a lot of teams that, that was more physical just down here running and wouldn't pass as much as the Dolphins. 
game has changed. The game has changed. And certainly with this Liam Eikenberg pick and other, you know, um, drafted picks such as Robert Hunt, Austin Jackson, and Solomon Kinley, they're looking to build bullies on the offensive line. It's, and I guess you could say that offensive line is trying to look like what Coach Flo wants in a team. Tough, physical, and disciplined. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, the, the thing about it is, you know, those guys you mentioned, and then um, when I announced the draft, we took a guy from Wisconsin, Michael Dieter, and, you know, he kind of started off, but it's a very young group. Um, you know, last year we brought in three rookies that, you know, potentially could start. And then um, the thing was that with COVID, they didn't get an opportunity to have the off-season workout, mini camps, OTAs, and then go to training camp to try to come together in jail. So um, based on what they were faced with last year um, and not getting a chance to really get the reps they should, I, I thought they did a pretty good job at um, bringing in a guy like Lynn Eichenberg. I think that was another move that Chris Greer and Coach Flores made to um, you get a quarterback like Tua, you know, and the type of talent stuff he has, surround him with those guys up front. And then when you have Fuller, Parker, Waddle, uh, those type of guys on the outside, you know, giving him that type of talent with speed and guys that stretch the field and make big plays, um, they're building the team right way. So I'm looking forward to it this year. So there's a discussion that, you know, Liam Eikenberg could play right tackle. And he said it in the press as well, you know, he's playing to play wherever coaches needed to. Um, there's a saying that goes for left tackle switching. And uh, the quote is switching to the right side is like trying to wipe the butt with your other hand. Okay. So what adjustments will he need to make to play successfully on the right side, moving from left to right. Yeah, I, I think uh, Liam with the type of, uh, like you say, he's he's had a great college career. You know, he's shown that he's durable, you know, starting 38 games, that that's just tremendous. And then playing at a school like Notre Dame and playing against some of the best uh, competition, you know, week in and week out in the country, uh, he shows he's durable. but. Um, like I said, he'll have, and I, I thought that they would move, leave Jackson at left and move him to right tackle. And, you know, he has this offseason, the mini camps, and it is awkward. It's almost like when you used to be on one side, everything is normally your backside. But I think he'll have enough time to work on it and make the adjustments. And then once he gets comfortable on the right side, um, I think he'll be fine. And, you know, Tua's blind side is the right side. He's he's a lefty passer. And Eichenberg, as you said, he played against great edge rushers in college, like Aziz Ojulari, the Michigan guys, and Quiddy Pei and Josh, Josh Uche. You had the Duke duo, the Florida State duo, and the Pittsburgh duo as well. And he did not allow Ian Book to get touched, okay? He did not allow him to get touched. He played sort of like you back in the day, all right? He's super, super dependable. But he did have some issues with speed rushers, those fast guys. What kind of techniques can he improve to win against, you know, faster edge rushers in the NFL? Yeah, um, I think uh, the main thing is – is beating them to that spot. And what I mean by that, a lot of times when you, you're going against a speed rusher, um, he's coming off the edge 
but you got to be able to kick step and get back and keep your shoulders square. And if he can do that, then that kind of eliminates that bit. If he beats you off the ball and you got to turn your shoulder, try to, now you're at a disadvantage because he can either go outside, you know, rip hard or, you know, stop and come back inside. That's when it gets tough. So um, basically just keep working the technique. And, and the only thing I can tell him is really focus on technique, this and that. And then sometimes every play is not going to be picture perfect, but you just go out there and fight hard and compete and try to get the job done. It, it ain't pretty every play, but um, when you're giving effort out there, I, I think he'll be fine. So I'm sure the offensive line coach will work with him on those little deals to tweak it, and, and he should be fine. That's right. And Coach Lim did work with the Senior Bowl guys out um, in Mobile, Alabama. And I hope Liam is listening to this and taking notes from Richmond himself. So, you know, the plays are flipped over as to his left-handed, and opposing defenses will have to adjust to that. How often do you think, you know, Liam would face that number one edge rusher on his right side, such as those speed specialists we talked yeah, about? Um, most of the time, um, it's enough guys on both sides that really rush the passer pretty good. I know he's got guys like Vaughn Miller and stuff that pretty much stay to the offensive right side. So, you know, that's a speed guy. Um, so, Every week is someone that even if he doesn't have the big, big name, it's somebody that you got to come prepared to compete against week in, week out for 60 minutes. And defensive guys get such a hyped up if they can beat you and, and get that sack. So um, he knows that already, you know, playing the offensive line, playing at Notre Dame, like I said, playing against like um, schools like um, Alabama, you know, the Clemson, like say the Florida State, they have that that type of, uh, even Michigan, they have those type of guys. So um, nothing new except it's for real now and you're getting paid to do a job and you just got to adjust to the speed of the game. I think it's a little bit quicker. You'll play against some savvy veterans and stuff like that. But the more reps he get, the more he'll settle down and then he'll just react the way he sees. So I'm thinking he's going to be okay. He's going to be okay. And, you know, during camp, too, he's going to be going up against his rookie classmate in Jalen Phillips as well. And I, I got to say, this is more so like an iron sharpens iron type of moment. Who was your guy back in the day during, you know, your rookie season or your sophomore season who made you, you know, better at technique or, you know, a better blocker at the end of the day? When I got there, it was Jeff Cross. He was already a Pro Bowl player, defensive end. So I worked a lot against him, which helped me get prepared for when I had to go against other top defenders. And then we also had outside rushers like um, EJ Jr. and Hugh, Hugh Green, which were linebackers, where you get to work against a defensive end, but then you get to work against a linebacker. Normally it's a little bit smaller guy, but they still know how to play with leverage, use the hands real well. So. You got to stay balanced. You got to be able to recognize squat and, and get down, you know, if they try to bull rush you and they just try different change ups. And then they, a lot of times they'll just keep doing the same rush to try to lull your sleep and then they'll come with a change up and you think it's that. So um, they try to set you up just like any other game. It's like playing chess. So you just got to be ready for it. Did you guys ever make any, you know, bets in camp over who win this rep, who win that rep? Did you guys ever do anything like that? 
not not so much bets, but I, I think you just look forward to. I know the defensive guys. We do inside drill. That was the running part, but they always looked forward to. I think just doing one on ones, and um, you know, a lot of time we would take you know the, the left tackle, left guard work against a, a defensive tackle, defensive end, and we would work individually. But we would work where they might run tackle and stunts and tackle stunts. So. We did everything to prepare, but it, it, it got pretty competitive, but we never really put any money on the line. We just, you know, look forward to kind of going against each other. <laughs> okay, but did you guys at least do something over, like, all right, if you beat me, my tab's on you, or, like, I'm taking you out to dinner tonight? There's got to be something that might have happened. Uh, we would have, like, a night, like a Thursday night, you know, a lot of guys get together and go hang out somewhere, and, I might pay this week, you might pay next week, but it wasn't, you know, it was just, we was happy practice was over. Friday was normally a kind of really light practice. So we could go hang out, get something to eat and kind of cool out. So, you know, we, we did that. So we had a good camaraderie. And it's great to get that brotherhood right there on the line and the D line as well. So let's get right back to Liam. Um, you know, Daniel Jeremiah, NFL's lead draft analyst he's he basically said you know he's got great ideal height and great awareness he does a great job at stank square you said that as well and he shoots his hands well too he usually stays connected when he lands his initial punch and flashes the ability to latch and drive defenders over his nose in the run game could you explain what that means he flashes the ability to latch and drive defenders over his nose in the run game yeah, basically it's like, you know, once he makes contact, he uses an initial punch with his hands and then he locks with his hands, gets his hands inside, and then you can maneuver the defender a lot of time or continue to drive, keep a good base and drive and get separation to where you create a running lane or whatever. You know, that's the good thing um, about that is that, you know, he's played that position for so long. And so it's just, he don't even have to think about it. It's just... It's just a natural reaction for him. So um, that's definitely good. And if you get your hands inside, it's a lot less likely that you'll get holding calls. So he's already got some good fundamentals that he's learned. And you get that when you play at a school like Notre Dame because they, you know, no matter the position, you know, they're normally one of the top seven, eight teams in the country and they continue to put guys in the league and, uh, guys that normally turn out and, and produce and play pretty well. So they got a good program up there at Notre Dame. That's true. And year in and year out, they produce offensive line like candy, man. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And, you know, pass blocking has been his main strength the last two seasons, but he showed a lot of improvement in the run game his final season. You know, you pair him up with Robert Hunt, who people say can be an all-pro guard at the NFL level on the right side. How does this look for the Dolphins' run game next season? It looks beautiful to me, especially with a guy that's as physical as Hunt is, like you said, and, and, and it just fits perfectly when you get a guy like Liam Eichenberg that gets that punch, lift the guy up, and then you can work a team block or tackle guard block back to the backside linebacker to really create space where the running back just comes right in there. And those, those four or five yards turn to seven, eight yards in the second half, or, you know, you may break a big one. So uh, anytime you get a guy like that and you can pair him with another guy that's really physical and, you know, they work together in unison, 
that's a beautiful thing there. So I'm looking forward to training camp, see how this, how this comes together. So are you going to be there at training camp trying to see what the offensive line is going to do? <laughs> no, I, I'll be getting the updates and stuff like that. I live in Texas, so um, yeah. I'm going to go down for a game this year, but um, I'm, I'm not going to probably be a training. It, it'll be too hot. I had enough of that when I was playing, so I, I could watch the NFL channel or uh, <laughs> get my Dolphin updates, you know, via the internet or something, but it, it's too hot. I, I'll leave that for the other people. They, they can fight over their seats there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, maybe you, maybe I mean, if if you can, if you want, you can you can rough them up a little bit and beat their behinds, make them play like how you did back in the day. That would be cool to see. Man, I'm too old to be trying to rough somebody up. That's that's about maybe one good play, and then I'm in trouble. So I'm gonna leave them. <laughs> oh, that's, it's their time to shine. I, I had my my time, so I'm but I'm I'm looking forward to being a fan. Uh, I like the way the team, the direction, everything that Coach Flores and Chris Greer have done a tremendous job and, and it keeps building, building, building. And it, it shows, I think we got the right coach. You know, it's been a while since the Dolphins have kind of had the success, but it feels different. And uh, I, I think we definitely head in the right direction. So it's going to be a lot of happy Dolphin fans. And that's that's really, really great to hear. And since we're on the topic of the run game, um, the Draft Network's Kyle Krabs, um, he basically wrote down in his scouting report of Liam Eikenberg, he says, and I quote, you know, he's best when releasing vertically at the snap in the run game and either double teaming to the second level or stepping down to collapse and create a soft edge. Now, in those type of situations, it's usually trap trap blocks, whams, and off-tackle runs in the run game. Do you expect to see a lot of those whams, traps, and off-tackle runs this season? I think, I think you'll see some. Um, definitely, like you said, him working with Hunt to the backside linebacker. You pull the backside guard and let him lead on the front side, and then um, you can either use a, a – they really don't have a fullback, but a lot of times people use a tight end to – to still get the same thing done. And then the back just reads it and goes up. So when you got guys that can run it effectively and typically your right side is your strong side and typically most running plays go to the right side, I can see us doing some of that and um, being being very doing it very well and executing it. So yeah, I, I can see that. So as a former offensive lineman, what was your favorite run game play or run game design that you really looked forward to? Uh, I think uh, a lot of time um, I liked when the plays were called to, to my side, not so much always cutting off and stuff, but that way you get to come off or I get to double team with a guy like Keith Sims and we get to work, you know, back this and that. It's nothing more rewarding when you can lift that defensive tackle up and then drive him back because now the, the linebacker can't see and he's trying to, maneuver around and see where the ball going. And, and a lot of times when you got two big guys like me and Keith, you can't see around them. So by the time he sees it, it could be a foot race. So uh, I always like when it was always plays called to the left side, which we were on. Pancake or not the pancake? You really? tell me. Pancake. pancake or not the pancake? Why wouldn't you pancake? <laughs> <laughs> Well, nowadays in the NFL, sometimes they call fouls on these offensive linemen when they're doing a pancake. Either they give him an unnecessary roughness or some type of personal foul. 
So now, let's say you were playing in the NFL. Would you still do it and grab that foul off from the ref? I, I, I would want to do it. I, I think it's just natural aggression. Um, I think you try to set the tone uh, when you can, you know, really get a good lick on a guy, pancake him, this and that. That takes a little bit out of him. If you do it a few times, like you say, you get the doubles going, this and that. Now he's trying to jump around blocks, this and that. So that's when it becomes effective. But like I said before, you know, the game has changed a little bit and they, they, they try to protect player safety. So you're right. A lot of times they will call unnecessary roughness on that. And I'll look at it and I'll be like, man, come on. But now, you know, the game has changed and you have to realize that. So I kind of go back and forth because I remember how it was when I played versus now. And I have to remind myself, OK, player safety. Sometimes it's, it's kind of frustrating, but but I get what they're trying to do. So with Eichenberg, you know, he's got heavy hands, which helps a lot in the run game. You certainly know that. And he's got those quick hands. And he used a lot in the two-hand punch, you know, when you jab and you grab the chest, that type of technique. You learn that um, with the fighting Irish. However, sometimes when you see it on film, it doesn't lead to consistent success at times. Um, if you're an offensive coach, such as Coach Lim for the Dolphins, and you, you look at his tape, how would you, you know, advise him to clean it up or would you just change the technique as a whole? Yeah, I, I think that the punch is good. I, I think the thing is, once you punch and get him lifted up, is try to go ahead and get engaged with him. And I, I think that's something minor that it's not going to take much to, you know, tweak that and fix that. So I, I wouldn't try to change it. He, he does it pretty well. You just want him to be consistent when he does it. And the main thing you want to do is when you punch and you get a guy lifted up, get your hands inside and he, you, you can maneuver him. So that's the main thing. And majority of the time he does a pretty good job with that. So um, that's why I say just tweak it a little bit and he becomes more more consistent with it. And that's, that's, that's a very minor issue. So I think he'll be fine. Man, you, you bringing butterflies right into my stomach because – like, I'm licking my lips here and all of this. You know, he's a Notre Dame lineman. There have been a lot of guys from Notre Dame within the past few seasons who've played really, really well. Been to the Pro Bowl, been an All-Pro. Can Eichenberg be that next great Notre Dame offensive lineman for the Miami Dolphins? Yeah, I, I, I think he can. I think uh, the, the thing um, is to continue to work and build on what you built in Notre Dame and get ready to take it to the next level. And a lot of that is learning a playbook, which I don't think you'll have an issue with. And once you learn the, the playbook, just adjust to the speed of the game and then just setting goals, personal goals for yourself that if you want to be one of the best in the game, continue to work with it, put the film study in, put the work, work in the weight room, you know, work your technique, stuff like that. And at least if you set the goal, even if not, I think you're still going to still be one of the, even if not the top, you'll be one of the one of the top guys in there. And I think you got to set goals and try to achieve them. But that's in anything in business or anything. And I think if he does that, because um, he's pretty good now, I think he he can he can definitely turn into the next great lineman from Notre Dame. We hope he becomes the next great lineman for the Miami Dolphins and keeps Tua upright and protects him for as long as he as he wants to.
So we usually end off, you know, these types of X and O's with the discussion among position groups and, you know, how the game changes. We talked it along during this podcast, but this is more so, you know, a scout and combine. So I'm going to mention, you know, usually a lot of scouts and people prefer tackles to have at least 34 to 35 inch arms. And you had around a 35 inch length. Eichenberg is 32 and three eighths. Now, some people say the measurements are a bit concerning, but I didn't really see anything which was, you know, a major concern in his game. What are your thoughts on people and scouts that have this type of take about arm length? Well, I think when you're playing tackle, you know, you're normally going against, you know, the Russians and most guys are 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, so their arms are going to be longer, um, you know, probably somewhere in the area. So the longer your arms are, they figure if you can get your hands on them, you can control them. Or if you got to go against a guy that's got really long arms, it could create you some problems. But, um, hey, man, sometimes you got to deal with the hand you deal. That's what I say. Um, he's had success in college. Is it something to be concerned about? I don't think so. I think you just got to say, okay, yeah, my arms are a little shorter, but I just got to know I got to be more technically sound. And if I am playing against a guy that has long arms of me, what do I need to do to compensate for that in order for me to still be successful? And that's where the film study comes in. It's not because you start to learn what type of moves he's trying to do this and that. And if he's trying to reach out and get his hands on you first, you can slap him down and then, you know, bring your hands in. Um, so it's, it's, it's the mental part of it. And going to a school like Notre Dame is academically challenged. So uh, he's smart enough. He'll figure it out. So that, that doesn't concern me at all. Offensive line play is a mental, mental game, guys. It's a mental game. And you need to be smart. And under, you, you need to put that grind into the film work. Because if you just go out there, don't study film, you're like, all right, let's play. You have no idea what the other person you know, is going to do it in front of you. He might have a variety of pass fresh moves, just like, oh, uh, I don't know how to handle that. Like, that is probably the worst thing you do not do, film study, because it's super, super important to your development as a player in this league. So outside of the league, you know, Richmond, what have you been up to lately? Man, you know, COVID started and... Um... Uh, my, my daughter, I got two daughters. One graduated from University of Houston. Then my youngest daughter was a freshman. She finished her first year at Texas A&M. So just adjusting to becoming an empty nester. And then last year, I actually started uh, sitting in on a podcast. It's called Inside the NFL with uh, Reason and um, Mr. Ballgame. And we normally do like a weekly podcast, you know, put it out there for the Dolphin fans. So the good thing is um, I'm learning to do other things since I got a lot more time on my hands. And uh, I'm probably on more on Twitter than Facebook. Than my, Twitter, <laughs> my name Richmond Webb. So, man, other than that, I'm not doing too much. Just waiting for the football season to start. That's it. Oh, man, I am down horrendous. I cannot wait. I cannot wait for the football season to start. And I got to ask you, I, I read something that you're into gardening. Tell me a little bit about that. That's another thing I started during COVID, man. You know, we were on lockdown, couldn't go anywhere. And um, I think last year I grew some tomatoes and bell peppers and um, actually it turned out pretty good. So um, 
uh, I had some, well, I replaced some citrus trees, but I got lemon, lime, orange, some young trees that hadn't really started. I got a couple of them that's gonna start producing fruit, but uh, this year I got some tomatoes, bell peppers, jalapenos, banana peppers. Ooh. So I enjoy that. I just kept my, I, I get to meditate and it just, if I'm stressed out about something, that that, that kind of relieves me of that. And, and I like doing it. So um, I didn't think I would, but I really like gardening this and that. It's, it's relaxing for me. So I just recently moved from Miami to Orlando and I brought my curry tree plant with me. My grandma brought it over from uh, Pakistan as I'm of Pakistani descent. And it's in my, I've been in my family for over 20 years. So like I grew up with that plant and it was from like a little pot, like this massive 20 foot pot now. So it was a pain putting it into the moving truck. It was an absolute pain and now it's a, it's at the front of our home and the new home that we're at, we've got mango trees and we've got an oh avocado God. tree as well. I got an avocado tree. Mine are young, but it ain't, are, are yours producing yet? Mine are young. So, I, I mean, a lot of stuff has health benefits to it. And I just started reading. I said, well, let me start trying to grow some of this stuff my own and have my own little fruit and, you know, avocados because, you know, my wife and thought they love avocados. So if I can get that to produce this one less thing, I, I have to buy at the store. So I look at it that way, too. Yeah, I cannot wait for that mango tree to produce because, look, it's summer season. You got to have the mangoes. You, you got to have mango smoothies, mango milkshakes, mango whatever. It's like my favorite fruit. So before we go, Richmond, um, you know, we like to do a little bit of predictions for the season since we're in the off season. What's your, you know, record prediction for the Dolphins in 2021? Well, we, um, we, we, we won 10 last year. First year we won five under Coach Flores. Um, I think the way that, that he's building it, I'm, I'm expecting um, 11, 12 wins this year. Uh, I know we have an additional game, this 17-game season, instead of 16 games, but um uh with the weapons and everything we added i think we legitimately have a shot to compete for winning the afc east division and it looked Ooh. like it's going back your dad probably remembers back when it was miami buffalo back in the day and it looked like that rivalry is going to be woken up again because both teams are really good so i kind of started noticing that last year i said hey, okay we're getting back to the the good old days. So I, I think the winning division is going to probably be between either Miami or Buffalo. So I'm looking forward to that rivalry. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it too. You know, under the Blue Wire family we're under, we have a, a Buffalo podcaster, Drew Gear, and he, he his Twitter is a Rock Power Report. And every time, every time he says something out about Miami, I'm right under it. I'm, you know, I'm I'm like putting the donkey tail on his back. I'm just putting pins up his butt. I'm like, hey, hey, now, just wait, just wait, just wait. He's like, oh, you guys haven't been to the playoffs. I'm like, y'all went to the Super Bowl four straight times and never won. So don't tell me, don't tell me anything, Drew. Don't tell me anything. Well, it's amazing. Even if you look at the beginning of last year, nobody was paying attention to uh, the Dolphins, and then you know. By mid-season, everybody started to mention them, and then we were actually in position to, if we win one more game, we make the playoffs. So um, we're not sneaking up on anybody this year. But I, 
I don't think Coach Coach Flores is the type to say we want to we want them to know that you know the Dolphins are coming to town and you're gonna have your hands full. And um, um, so I, I think everybody's realized, especially the way the defense played last year. Uh, we continue to build on that. Like you said, we added Jalen Phillips and a few more other guys. Uh, it's it's, it's going to be something to, to deal with. That people are not going to want to see the Miami Dolphins when they come to town, I'm going to tell you that. No, they they do not. They're, they're getting away to squish the fish lo- slogans. Uh, I'll tell you that right now. But Richmond, thank you so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate you coming on to the podcast, just talking ball with a guy who started podcasting during COVID quarantine. So I really, really appreciate you coming on. Hey, thanks for having me on the show and good luck with, with your podcast. And let's win a lot of football games. We both Dolphin fans, so I know we can agree on that. Of course, uh, let's have a great season. So before we go, listeners, uh, this concludes our fourth episode of the Dolphins Draft D series. We will be continuing this series along with our um, other new series, uh, Brandon and I launched the Back to Campus. We will be going around uh, the United States of America. We just had our last podcast touching base on the Ohio State Buckeyes, and we'll be covering other teams such as Clemson, Alabama, Texas A&M, and the University of Miami Hurricanes. So make sure you guys keep listening to us. And as always, fins up, everybody. Uh-huh.